whenever you are and however you happen to be listening, we are so glad you have chosen to tune in to DLC, especially if you are one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. Remember, it's not how far, it's not how fast, it's that you do it. It's consistency. Get out there. DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free thanks to our sponsors this week, Linode and Gamefly. They're bringing the show to you. The show, of course, is all about games and their many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, that's spelled with two N's and one T, and I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis, the guy who's going to the World Series, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Oh, my goodness. Game one on Tuesday, and then I'm flying to Houston for game four to take my dad to the World Series, so I'll be in Dodgers blue uh, Tuesday, and I'll be in the orange rainbow on Thursday. This is ever since the Astros switched to the AL, I adopted the Dodgers hard, and I never had to worry until now. Like, this is the dream scenario where literally it's win-win for me. Like, I realize is it win-win or is it lose-lose? That's true, too. It's, I think it's still win-win, except that I don't, it's like that thing you don't know until you're there. I want it to go to game seven, and then I won't know who I'm rooting for until the end of that game, right? Like, whatever my gut tells me. Christian, is it true that you canceled your Xbox One X pre-order simply to get World Series tickets? <laughs> no, I canceled my Xbox One X pre-order because I couldn't justify it. Uh, but you can I, justify uh, those World Series tickets, which are going for a pretty penny. That's an experience, uh, not a, a thing. It's, it lasts me a lifetime. I did, last thing on this kind of sports thing, I got a plane ticket and Astros tickets to the Game 4 for cheaper than my Dodgers tickets. <laughs> Well, that's interesting. Hmm. I wonder why that I, – I think that's probably predictable. But we're not here to talk about sports. We're here to talk about video games. And, oh, my gosh, what a week it is. By, by this Friday, it's all – it's Armageddon. It, all the video games are, are landing in one day. We got lots to talk about. We got, we got video games we've been playing. I've been playing a bunch of VR stuff. We've got news stories that are crazy, and we have an excellent guest to do it with, somebody I've been wanting to have on the show for a while now. You know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian, but this week I'm excited because DLC stands for our direct line to Chicago because representing Chicago, and more importantly, representing Brookago. We have one of the co-hosts of the Spawn on Me podcast, one of my favorite podcasts, Cicero Holmes. Welcome to the show, sir. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Uh, so a couple of things. I was hoping that the DLC would also stand for the downloadable Cicero. Um, well, I was I was tempted. Sometimes when they're too easy, I don't want to I don't want to just just take the low hanging fruit. Thank you, know, you. But- thank you. I appreciate that. Save save the <laughs> save the dad jokes for me. But I also don't want to stop the sports talk. Because not only am I living in Chicago, I'm officially a Chicagoan now, but I am from the South Bronx, nine blocks from the stadium. What I was hoping for was to make Christians, all of Christians nightmares come true with a Cubs Yankees World Series so that I could attend a World Series game without having to take a flight. Um, but, uh, well, alas, that's, that's too bad. Yeah. I, maybe the, the Yankees lost cause you, cause you left. 
Have you thought about that? Maybe it's your fault? Uh, I mean, it, it could be. Now, they have one since I've lived here in Chicago, so I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not all me. <laughs> but I wasn't wearing all of my Yankees regalia all the time, so maybe it was my fault. Well, I heard you changed your underwear once. That too. is that yeah, once. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're excited to have you. Uh, as I said, a big show, so let's get right into it and start the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of video games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration by visiting our subreddit, which is 5x5dlc.reddit.com. And there's lots of really cool people there. I would highly recommend you swinging by, chatting it up, finding some fun folks you can play games with. You can talk about our show and talk about any video game-related story. Cool folks. Cicero, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Well, I, I think uh, the story of the week has got to be that uh, Visceral uh, got shut down by, you know, I mean, EA shut him down, and and now we won't get the Star Wars game, or will we? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are referring to the, to the story that broke this week that Amy Hennig's vaunted much-anticipated Star Wars game that was touted to be uncharted in the Star Wars universe. Uh, Todd Stashwick, who's actually a friend of mine, was teaming up with her and creating this game. They'd been working for years on it. We hadn't heard much lately, but uh, it, it sounded like a dream scenario. Amy Hennig, who really was one of the masterminds behind Uncharted when it was first created at Naughty Dog, was creating this game at Visceral. Visceral, of course, the studio that brought us uh, Dead Space 1 and 2, very high-quality game. Well, evidently, EA uh, didn't want to make that game anymore, and they released a statement about how they're pivoting the game. It's not canceled per se, as you alluded to, Cicero, but it is being shuffled off to uh, internal EA developers, and it, it, the basic idea of the game is going to completely change. They said that they are have been looking throughout the development po- process uh, at game concepts and testing them with players, listening to feedback. And it has become clear, quote, that to deliver an experience that players will want to come back to enjoy and enjoy for a long time, we need to pivot the design. While we will maintain the stunning visuals, authenticity in the Star Wars universe... And focus on bringing a Star Wars story to life. Importantly, we are shifting the game to be a broader experience that allows for more variety and player agency, leaning into the capabilities of our Frostbrite engine and reimagining central elements of the game to give players a Star Wars adventure of greater depth and breadth to explore. So, uh, yes, closing Visceral completely, as you said. And uh, a lot of people are, you know, interpreting this as... We don't make single-player games anymore because they're not as profitable as they need to be to justify the expense. So, Cicero, what is your what's your take on all this? Yeah, I'm just sad, right? I mean, like, yeah. it's it's well, uh, first off, you know, another game studio closing, and and obviously that's the nature of the business, and we all kind of understand that. Um, but but just it's such a weird thing to to close this studio with this project. Uh, you know, on on the hook because this is the thing that everyone was all excited about. Uh, you know, yes, there was another. Seems like a home run, right? right? Exactly. I mean, 
metaphors. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. Baseball metaphors abound. Um, it, yeah, it was it was Amy Hennig. This was the she was the mastermind behind this cinematic masterpiece that was the the uh, Uncharted series. And now she's, you know, and now she's in limbo. And this is yet again the second Star Wars franchise that EA has basically shuttered um, back from Star Wars 1313. Uh, and, and now we've got the unnamed project. But when you have someone, you would think that when you have someone of Amy, Amy Hennig's stature, that you would just go out and you would deliver that deliver the promise that that she was going to to bring to gamers um it's just really strange and kind of sad to me christian is this the death of single player games is this the the first the first harbinger of uh the sunset of being able to play a game that doesn't involve some sort of endless loop of multiplayer and loot boxes no, I mean, I think this stuff is, I don't even want to say it's cyclical because you you see trends all the time, right? I mean, EA years ago defined a trend. They put their uh, flag in the ground with Visceral Games way back when saying all of our franchises are going to be multimedia. We're going to have comic books, movies, TV shows, like Dead Space was that attempt, right? And it was going to be everything. And then that kind of got abandoned. Then they had, I think I have the order of this right, Project $10. Like they named it, like every game is going to have this ten dollar add-on and that's the thing and now and then it was um season passes that's the thing which was different than project ten dollar and then it was this loot box microtransaction type approach of this constantly engaged um always online game that pulls you back into the universe uh, over and over and over again and all throughout that, you still have amazing single-player games. I don't know if we'll see them with a Star Wars license, with a $400 million budget, or you know whatever it is behind it, but I'm not afraid of the games that I love going away. I just might be playing them from smaller teams, and I'm 100% okay with that. I'm curious with this, to what extent, like why Visceral had to be closed, or they you know, quote unquote, unwilling to do the pivot? Did EA not have faith in them to be able to pull off that transition? Was Amy stubborn? And, you know, like Sister Rose mentioned, she's an incredible or has this reputation of these incredible games. And so was she unwilling to budge from her vision of like, no, this is what we're making. You need to trust me. It's going to be great. And EA was like, we've given you two and a half years it's not great yet. <laughs> like there's a lot of backroom conversations that probably happen to lead to this, which seems like a really big um, play in terms of just pivoting a game. Well, part of the backstory of at least the visceral closing is that reportedly Dead Space 2 sold 4 million copies and still was not profitable. Hmm. Well, no, it underperformed, I think was the word they used. <laughs> Yeah, maybe that's what it was. But either way, I think, you know, if you have a game that does that well and still underperforms, still isn't up to expectation or still doesn't feel like a a hit. I mean, four million copies is a massive amount of sales for a video game by any measure. And so if if they're creating games that are as expensive as as that to, to make that not be a profitable venture then maybe that's part of the assessment that EA made as a studio as a whole. It's certainly part of the story here, right? Um, My question is, we've got Star Wars Battlefront 2 coming out, which is this massive, 
fun first person uh, play through the stories of all the movies, play in all of the settings of all the movies. Well, it's not it's not the stories of all the movies. Well, I mean, if if you say the story is taking down Adats on Hoth, right. I mean, that's not I the mean, story of the Star Wars movie. But you know what I'm saying, and it's also got a story campaign this right. time. It's also got uh, uh, you know a big single player campaign, and you've got Bioware's uh, Star Wars MMO that's still going. Is it still being supported? Is it? Yeah, people are playing it, and they still they still update it. What my question here is: What do we want right. as a Star Wars game that isn't like the thing that I want is this big Star Wars story, uncharted third-person action game? Like, what other multiplayer experience is out there that isn't being serviced already in the Star Wars universe? Anthem, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars Destiny is is. Is, is, Battlefront is Star Wars Destiny, no, isn't it? To, no. a, to a certain extent. No, that's such a um, – Battlefront 2, from what I've played of it and what I know of it, I mean that multiplayer is very reminiscent of Battlefront 1s and it's these you know large battles kind of going in, these hero moves where you're not de- – you can develop your character but each map you might respec or use a different character. You're hoping to unlock Darth Maul or do this thing and then the single player seems to be a very separate experience and there's not any PvE continuing um, progression or grind in the game where Destiny, the story very much feeds into the other events. And even as light as it is between 1 and 2, even Crucible has a narrative component to it, right? Where you go check in at the tower to talk about Crucible. And it's a training ground where these guardians are proving themselves. And it it it's all built into this world that they want you to visit over and over again. Battlefront 1, and it seems Battlefront 2, is very much play multiplayer. Play Starfighter Assault. Play this four to six, whatever it is, eight-hour single-player campaign. It's not this check in every week and you're always moving the same character or three along their progression to max out at 305 or whatever the cap is. You're saying it's not as sticky as the, as those kinds of experiences. It doesn't appear to be, yeah. Clearly, clearly what's going to happen is we are going to get a VR survival horror game called Journey to the Center of the Sarlacc Pit. I'm in! <laughs> I'm in! Sign me up. Where, I just threw my money at my right, screen. There you go. There you go. I just threw it at There you me. go. Sorry, yeah. sorry, Amy. I am taking over uh, the, the as the new creative director for whatever the Star Wars you, game is. You have my right vote. On. Right on. Uh, all right. So pour one out for Visceral. I think it's a sad day. I, I actually am a little worried about what it means for very big yeah. budget AAA single player sure. games. But, you know, they will, they will continue to be made and we will continue to hopefully enjoy them. Uh, Christian, what is your – Story of the week. Well, I'm glad Cicero is here for this story because I noticed that his shirt today is exquisite. And Jeff, after doing this podcast episode, if you want to have a shirt like his, you can get one for just $2. So we've matched this podcast up appropriately between guests and hosts. And if you like any what any of us are wearing or saying or any of the gear we're using for this podcast, please go buy it from the DLC podcast store well, and unfortunately, you, you buy a chance to get a shirt. Oh, right, right. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you might I, just get uh, an emoji. That you already have. Right. You could be getting a shirt. You might get a poop emoji. Um, so I'm talking about the Activision patent that they say they haven't rolled out or used yet, but like, okay, 
Sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not saying they have. I don't know what they have. But <laughs> they were granted a patent that uses um, this for a multiplayer matchmaking system. And the goal of said patent is to encourage players to spend money on microtransactions. So one thing that was referenced is um, and sometimes it's not it's pairing you up with people on your same team like if uh, you have shown an interest in sniping weapons before earlier in the game or different parts in the game they will match make you with someone with the top tier sniper gun or the best skin for that sniper weapon so you will send see that player and be like oh man Tiffany's got the best sniper rifle in the game i got to get a rifle like hers and then after the game maybe you'll go to the sniper loot box and buy the thing um so bungie has said they've been talking to glixel that it's not used in destiny 2 um it was filed i think in 2015 and i it's tough because activision right they're very easy to poo poo on for some of the evil crappy things they've done uh, but then part of me thinks this is a pretty ingenious patent <laughs> that like the way games are going, if they didn't own it, EA would, uh, right. <laughs> um, I mean, Cicero, when you saw, and I can get into more of the details, but like, that's the basics of it, right? It's putting people together to show off someone else's loot and then hopefully pushing you to buy that. Do you think this is, is there a positive to this? Is there a glass half full or is this just big companies going to be big companies? Well, I, I think it's a little bit of both, right? Because yeah, big companies are going to be big companies and, and you know, and they've got to make money. They've got investors that, and, and uh, you know, and, and board members that they have to satisfy. Uh, but uh, additionally, if they can kind of do this, somewhat insidious thing that Google does and Amazon does with your with your browsing and your shopping history where all of the ads that you see are things that you have interest in um then it makes you i mean the, the all the data shows you that you're more likely to purchase a thing that you've already shown interest in and if you find that there's a value proposition uh with with that particular product um, and or item in in the case of video games, then then you as a consumer don't have a problem with with buying that thing. And it's not until you think about it globally, if you take the ten thousand foot view, do you, that you see how uh, insidious it actually is. But for but what about the purity of the air quote sport? Like the it's is this ruining matchmaking in a way that. It's not about the best game for players anymore. It's not giving the uh, Jeff tweeted out something about hots. Like, how am I always with players that want to lose? And I, you know, sassily tweeted back because of Activision's right. patent. Uh, <laughs> like, do we not feel like these? This should be a fair. Yeah, you know, what was it? Xbox's true match or whatever engine. Like Jeff, when you're going into a multiplayer game, do you want fairness and a competitive game, or is this okay and that it can still be fair? But now. Look at this cool cape that Sarah has. Don't you want that cape? Well, of course, this feels gross on 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 first blush, uh, and maybe it is gross. Uh, but when you dive down into it, it, there's a lot of details that I mean I could read, but it, it's pretty dense. I encourage people to actually read some of the uh, the detail about this patent. There are a whole number of things, according to the patent, that the multiplayer matchmaking service will take into account. And one of them, it's not like, hey, guy X has glowy helmet, guy Y does not. Let's put those together. It's 
one of several factors that can help influence those things. But it is also explicit. The patent is explicit in saying this is how you get people to buy more stuff. And that is clearly its goal. So it does feel really gross. To answer your question, I mean, the most important thing for me is playing with players that want to Hmm. win. Now, there is a way to read this that says, (laughs) well, there's a way to read this that says that makes players want to win more, right? Like, show them the, like, give them incentive to play better because look how cool that thing is that that person is playing with who's really good. I think that the feared end result of this is oh i'm matched with people that are wildly outside my skill level simply to provide uh, examples of purchased in-game goods so that i'm playing with someone that's either wildly better than me or wildly worse than me simply to show me how how uh much i should spend and when you have a situation like battlefront 2 which hasn't been released yet but seems based on the beta to include uh, purchased items that actually influence how good you are. You know, the the thing we can all envision is, hey, I'm matched with guy who has amazing sniper rifle and is just picking off fools. And every time he murders me, I see a snapshot of that cool weapon that he bought. And I go, well, screw this. I'm not going to keep getting my butt handed to me. I'm going to buy right. the cool sniper rifle so I can right. do that. I want to become part of the problem. Yeah. So it is problematic, uh, but I want to read um, a couple of emails that we got about this. Uh, emails sent to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This one comes from Mark. He says, uh, Activision obviously has a lot of uses for such a patent in-house, but there's also a lot of money to be had in licensing. A company like EA, interested in new ways to sell microtransactions to people, could come along and buy the rights to this technology. He says, My employer makes billions off their patents this way. Activision could stand to make a profit here too. Furthermore, having a mountain of patents is a good way to protect against patent trolls. One chucklehead with a few patents looking to pick a fight is a lot more likely to back down if he's staring down a vault of patents he may have infringed. I don't know how much that was a consideration here, but it is a perk. Anyway, I hope that's helpful. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, it's interesting to say... You know, we see this patent, we go, oh, this is what they intend to do. But sometimes it's like, no, we're just going to sell this to other people, <laughs> which is crazy to think of, too. Well, it's like a drug dealer. I don't, I'm not doing the drugs, but I'll give them to other people to ruin people's lives. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, here's another uh, email that we got. This one actually comes from our buddy, friend of the show, been a guest, uh, Patrick Beja. Uh, he says, uh, there's an important element that you didn't bring up in the debate on loot boxes. Ideally, loot boxes allow for long-term support that will benefit every player, including those who never pay for them. When that works, and sometimes it does, it's a win-win. Of course, the balance is super hard to find, but this should be taken into account, especially since it's EA's goal in Battlefront 2, which should have been no paid DLC. There's a lot of justified outrage about the whole thing, but we can't have a rational conversation about it if we don't have any pieces, uh, excuse me, don't have all the pieces of the puzzle. I've I've heard that and I, I respect Patrick. I I don't agree with that approach though. I think that's us, the end user, trying to justify a business practice. I don't think any of these businesses are thinking about ways um, to be altruistic and like, well, what we want to do. It, no, what they're looking to do is maximize Absolutely. their profits. 
in a way that provides the most revenue for their shareholders if they're a public company and they're going to keep trying to find like people talk justify it with like well games are still sixty dollars and you know the development costs have gone up well you know overwatch we're getting all these free maps so they need to support that some way so they're doing it loot boxes no i think if blizzard thought that they could make more money over the long term by selling you maps they would have gone that way someone there's a spreadsheet somewhere probably multiple that have pivot tables in them that say the long-term growth and revenue stream of this franchise is to do it this way because xyz it's not going to split our user base uh, tendencies to support a game over blah 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 like this isn't the good thing to do is to give gamers free maps now like oh we just if only there was a way we could do it (laughs) no that's not what they're doing that's not what they're doing so cicero what do we do about this what's the what what do we as gamers do do we do you Boycott these games? Do you? Well, what do you, you know, do? I mean, the the easy answer is to speak with your wallet, right? Um, but ultimately, what's going to happen is, you know, and I hate to sound kind of nihilistic or defeatist about it, but uh, even for those of you who are principled, who don't, there will be plenty of people who decide uh, that they're that you know it doesn't matter that much, or that that one two dollar purchase isn't going to change, isn't going to move the needle one way or the other. Uh, you know, I mean, think think back to the very first piece of DLC, the horse armor from, uh, you know, uh, from from back in the day and everyone rallying against that. And and then all of a sudden, you know, you, you yeah. turn on your game and and every fourth person has, you know, actually or two out of every four people have have uh, have the horse armor. And you're like, wait, you know, wait a minute. What yeah, happened? All that. Yeah, backlash right. Did nothing what happened? You know, what happened to your principles? It's like, no, but that armor looks so cool. So, <laughs> right. Well, let me play devil's advocate for a second and say, what if I like spending my $2 on horse armor? And what if it does make me feel cool? And what if I decided that it was worth it to me? And when I played that game and I saw that dude with that cool, glowy flower helmet, I wanted a cool, glowy flower helmet. And I'm so glad the game showed me somebody wearing it because now I got to see it in action. And now, I, yeah, I do want to buy it. Or maybe I decided I don't want to buy it and I made a – yes, I'm being manipulated, but I'm also – I have some agency in the transaction, right? Right. Well, uh, yes, right? Um, you do. And that, you know, and that's kind of the point. It, it's – Activision, you know, that would be justification for Activision. You know, they can sit, stand in the corner and say, see, we told you it was a good idea. We told you that, that the community wanted this. And ultimately they're right. I mean, they're, they're, everyone's learning and, you know, the big, the big console and PC manufacturers, publishers are, uh, learning from the mobile space where these these right, free to play games came around and people or you know or very low price games and and people were really excited by them they heard about you know they heard about them from their friends these games essentially became viral and every now and then someone sits down and and says oh well you know $2 isn't going to change anything $4 isn't going to change anything and before you know it they've spent 40 50 these people are called whales uh in fact my partner uh, just started playing a mobile game on her phone where they design, uh, you design bedrooms and living rooms and stuff like that. And then after you design them, people vote on them. So you gain notoriety because people have voted on your designs. And, you know, they have some in-game currency that she ran out of and she went to spend $8 on it and she got 
$8 worth of whatever the currency was. And three days later, she was out of it again and was getting ready to spend more money on it. And I said, you know, and I had to stop her and, and say to her, you know, if this, if you, you know what this game is now, uh, if, if I told you the game was going to cost you X amount of dollars right off the bat and you didn't have to spend any more money, how much would you say is a fair price? And she said 10 bucks. Yeah. Said, okay, well, you already spent eight bucks. Now you're only allowed to spend two more dollars <laughs> on this game. And it really right. gave her a chance to kind of assess what it was that she was doing and what the value, what the actual value of the game was to her. Um, and it, and it completely changed the way that she played the game. She still loves it, but now she, she's learned how to manage her time with the amount of in-game currency, with the in-game money that she is able to earn with it. Yeah, I, I, it seems that uh, gamers have a lot of really positive qualities. Uh, uh, that is correct. To be one of our, 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 our positive qualities. Well, that's um, just quickly on that, as I yeah. know there's a lot of other show. Um, I'm going to include myself. We're stupid and we're easily manipulated. And people can sit here and say, um, I'm trying to think of the perfect example. So I'll use a personal one. Uh, When I was an attorney, uh, one of the paralegals I worked with always had a candy bowl in front of his desk. And I would walk by and just eat a a mini Snickers or whatever. And then one day, Amanda was like, "Uh, how much are you eating? Because I was not hungry for dinner, I was like, "Well," and then it wasn't until I did with sister. I, I I kept all my, and I was like, "Oh, I just ate five <laughs> king size Snickers over the course of the day." <laughs> Gonna be here a while. <laughs> yeah, you don't realize it when you're just passing by and doing and getting nickel. Right. Oh, it's just two bucks here, two bucks there, and we're not. Most people aren't smart with their money or anything in their lives that requires impulse control, and you realize how much you've spent on it. And then the other side of it is to your devil's advocate point. And I say this time and time again, and I have yet to have a developer anonymously. I will keep you safe, uh, dear sir or madam. I don't know how these systems make the gameplay experience better for the user when they start asking me for real money to the unlock to things. The answer to that question is Christian. The answer to that question is they make the game possible. I don't think that's true. I, I I think that's a myth too that we've invented that says like the games wouldn't exist without this if they weren't hundred dollars. No. Companies are going to keep looking for more ways right. to take as much money from you as possible until you are dead because you overdosed or you die of of drugs, as that example, or right. you die of lung cancer because you've been smoking cigarettes your whole life. This isn't companies saying, we would love to give right. you Overwatch for free. All I want is to give you Uncharted <laughs> 4 for free. Oh, take the next Halo 5 for free. I want to. We just can't. And I get people need to make a living, and I get – we are a capitalist society, but to sit here and say that there's no other way that these games wouldn't exist but for microtransactions—that's BS. That's it's a but for. Right. That's a, it's a but. Well, so it's those are for sitting, but uh, I mean there is there there is a kernel of truth to the games wouldn't exist. Obviously, the game exists. You wouldn't be able to download, you know, a free to play game or a game that has a nominal fee or a premium price of sixty dollars. Um, if if the game didn't already come out, but for the next game to exist, there is a portion of that or for the 
DLC to exist. There is a portion of that that definitely is is represented by people going out and purchasing uh, some some version of you know downloadable content or loot boxes or whatever it is spending real money after the fact to help further the game um and and I must apologize because I am Bricago's resident republican I am uh, Bricago's resident uh business first person I am still sane everyone I'm still sane but uh I understand that <laughs> Well, we, we literally just talked about this situation. We literally just got done talking about a yes. game that no longer exists because it didn't have these hooks in it. Because EA made the assessment that it can't make enough money for us to – I mean I assume that was what but the But EA also released Need for Speed The Run. <laughs> so what are you saying? They make bad business decisions on both sides of the development process. Fair enough. But I, I don't think you can say, well, that's a, that's a canard if – we literally just got done from, with a story saying this thing we all knew was going to sell well was – I mean they would have put it out if they thought they could make money on it. I just don't think that that no, – based on need for speed right. to run, right? No, it's make more money. It's not money. It's Disney right, shutting right. down Disney Infinity 3.0. Everything that I saw on that, it was profitable, but it wasn't as profitable as – the margins weren't as high as something else. So it's shifting your attention to – it's me as a comedian or writer. Like I can go out and do these shows, but what's my return on driving to uh, Denver to do a show that doesn't do whatever versus staying in town and maybe doing three non-paying shows at the improv? But – it's all – you're ba- constantly balancing what you're putting out and what you might get in return. And it's not that something isn't profitable. It's just something else might be even more profitable. All right, well, we'll have to table that for now. And we are on a, a string of very depressing, <laughs> sad stories. And I'm going to continue it with my story of the week. Uh, this one actually might be the most depressing. Uh, well, and also hopeful. <laughs> um, NeoGAF is closed as of uh, Saturday midday, I think, or evening. NeoGAF, if you're not familiar with it, was a very prominent forum for video games. A lot of developers posted stuff there. Uh, A lot of news stories broke on NeoGAF. It was sort of this elite, members-only kind of place. It took a lot to become a member to be able to post on NeoGAF, and it was uh, ruled over with an iron fist by a horde of moderators. It it became uh, notorious because it... It was a place where uh, a lot of big video game stuff was broken and discussed. I will say, in full disclosure, uh, I never liked the place. Every time my name up came up at NeoGAF, uh, it was usually an attack or some sort of put-down. And for a while, I tried to defend myself there. I, I had a, an account. I don't even know if I still would or not. Haven't been there in years, but uh, I tried to defend myself for a long time and found that to be a fruitless endeavor. But some of my most uh, negative experiences uh, online were at NeoGAF, so I I have no love loss with with that site. But uh, news broke uh, on Saturday that the the guy who founded the site, a guy by the name of Tyler Malka, who goes by the handle Evil Lore, uh, was accused of sexual assault. And that led to a uh, a revolt uh, from the moderators. They all evidently quit. And by Sunday or by late Saturday, 
Uh, most of the posts were about that controversy, and then NeoGAF was shut down and has not reopened. We don't know if it will ever reopen. We don't know what the situation is with the site. That's an ongoing story, obviously, but uh, it, I think it's a big story. I think it points to the fact that this uh, Harvey Weinstein domino uh, effect is going to cascade through every industry. And we've already talked a little bit about stuff on this show uh, with regard to the Naughty Dog accusations. I think you're going to see more and more and more of this. Um, you know, in the film community, there was that stuff uh, from Screen Junkies right. that we talked about on one of my other shows, Slash Filmcast. It's really permeating every, every industry. I think it's a, a good thing that people that have been quiet are now speaking up and this stuff is coming out. And we're kind of weeding out these uh, a-holes, to my opinion. But uh, I'm curious, Cicero, what is your take on this development? Well, you know, uh, good for uh, good for the the mods over at NeoGAF. This is probably like the first time I've ever said that um, w- that <laughs> that they were able to react so quickly to um, being morally unambiguous about someone being deplorable and them not wanting to be associated with them. Uh, so, so, you know, kudos for, to them for doing that. And, and, uh, you know, obviously the entertainment world at large, um, I'm really, you know, obviously I want to stand up and applaud, uh, the bravery that has taken men and women to come out and talk about the, uh, sexual abuse that they've, that they've had to deal with, uh, from these predators. Um, the thing that continues to boggle my mind is that we will we will see this for the the weeks and months ahead throughout the remainder of 2017 of all of these people that have been uh be, are being outed as sexual predators um but there is one that has already by his own admission admitted that he was a sexual predator but he is still Doing what he wants to do, bigly, yeah. bigly. Indeed, I mean, I don't know if we but, can go right. there, but I, I, I hear what you're saying for sure. Uh, Christian, I know you are always adamant that we we don't um, eschew any of these stories and we we take them on head on. I think this is right in our wheelhouse. I think you and I both have the same position with regard to NeoGAF that it's a it was not a no. I like NeoGAF. Really? Yeah, I've always. I mean, I I would go there several times a day. I mean, there's toxic posts and stuff like that too. But there were also some seemed like good people with a, a passion for games. Stories broke there often before they broke anywhere else. You wouldn't always see credit for it on Polygon, Destructoid, or Kotaku, or whatever. But I know where I read it first. <laughs> you know, several hours before their article was up, that seemed to source the same stuff. Um, Wario 64 would have a lot of great deals posted over there. His Twitter is fantastic as well. Um, there's a lot there's a lot of interesting stuff. Yes, there was some horrible horrible stuff and yeah, people would attack me on there, but I um I, I you know, I I don't think it was as bad as it was made out to be. I think they're the the leader or founder or whatever his role was with the company seemed he seemed to be a pretty horrible person but i'm curious somebody in the chat said uh if he's got evil in his name i mean (laughs) (laughs) that was uh mr latap in the chat for that one 
and and I, I think Reef in the chat, I did see some good discussions on NeoGAF, but it was overwhelmed by the bad stuff. I mean, it's it's unfortunately was a lot like parts of life where yes, you could very quickly wade into some very bad stuff, right? It's like Los Angeles. You're on a great street one minute, the next minute, how did you get here? <laughs> where are you? Um, but what I think is is the more curious case isn't necessarily, and I think good for the mods for standing up and taking a stand and. and you know, backing something that they believed in. And I think that has to, sh- it's weird, right? Because a lot of people are saying NeoGAF is this hellfire, hellscape, crappy place. But then the mods all stood up to seem to do what seems like a pretty good thing. So if those were mods of the site and that were all pieces of crap, like how do you? Well, the, I think, I mean, it, delving deeper into the story, which we don't necessarily have to do, uh, they literally had, the, the reason this all blew up is because NeoGAF as a site had been very outspoken in its support of women. They said, believe women, support women. And they had, like, they had galvanized behind that message, which is a positive one and one I support. Um, and literally the dude who ran the site was doing stuff that they were right. standing up against. So it's, you know, they were forced into that position. I think they took the right one. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not casting aspersions, but uh, it was pretty, it was a pretty big piece of hypocrisy that could not be ignored so as a as a gaming show uh and sister as you you know spawn, uh spawn on me and us in this community i will ask you and you can give your propers and props to where you go sure. jeff when you are compiling stories for this show or just things to talk about on newest latest best where where do you where's your first stop for gaming news now what, where do you go polygon cicero uh i go to waypoint uh-huh I used to be Joystick back in the day. Yeah, me out. too, man. Loved that site. And then after it closed, I found Gaff was the easiest, quickest way to pop through. W. Matthew in the chat is saying Reddit, and I'm not quite Reddit savvy enough to, to filter out the dank memes from <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> actually breaking news. Steven Rivers Twitter. But it is there, I think there is a void in that because I, I like what Waypoint does and I like what Polygon does. But if you look at those two sites each day, you're getting a very different different stories right? right like it's not it's not and neither one of them positions themselves as the place for all game if you're gonna hear all the breaking news here it's they have a voice in what they're covering um and i thought gaff did a good job of just being everything if you wanted to, to get I think through we can all agree that if joystick had had microtransactions it would still be around right <laughs> <laughs> well done all right that's tying all the stories together as best i can uh, now we'll move on. We'll talk about more positive stuff. There's a lot of fun games to discuss. But first, I'm going to tell you about our sponsor, Linode. Linode is a hosting company offering high-performance Linux servers for all of your infrastructure needs. Linode has it all. Lightning quit servers in the cloud. A super-fast 200 GBPS network in all data centers. Automated backups, node balancers, managed services, native SSD storage, Intel E5 processors, guides with step-by-step instructions, a simple but powerful control panel, 99.9% uptime, 24-7 support experts, and all the tools you need to get the job done right the first time. I went to uh, acting school, and uh, they say in a Shakespeare monologue, if there's a list, you always go up as the list continues. But no one had ever anticipated a list as long as Linode's. Now, Linode offers two gigabytes of RAM for only $10 a month. Over 400,000 customers trust the Linode platform, including us. 
All of 5x5's infrastructure is happily hosted on Linode. And getting started is easy. You just pick a plan, choose your favorite Linux distro, and pick from one of eight data centers in America, Europe, and Asia. Plus, Linode is now offering a one gigabyte for $5 plan. High memory plans start at 16 gigabytes for $60 a month and an upgrade in storage from 24 gigabytes to 30 gigabytes on the 2 gigabyte for $10 plan. That's pretty good. So support this show and get yourself a $20 Linode credit. Just go to promo.linode.com slash DLC. That's promo, P-R-O-M-O dot Linode, L-I-N-O-D-E dot com slash DLC. You'll get yourself $20 off. The calm before the storm, gentlemen. Except for the fact that the storm's been going on uh, all year in 2017, we got uh, we got lots of games coming out to play. This week is the Friday is is the, the chaos of uh, Odyssey, Mario Odyssey, Assassin's Creed Origins, and uh, Wolfenstein 2 all coming out on the same day. It's also the same day as the Stranger Things season two on Netflix. Uh, wh- wh- what's a person to do? What's a person, especially with a person with children? Come on, um, Cicero. I'm very curious to hear what is on your playlist. What are you playing? Uh, right now, I am playing. I actually I dove back into Destiny two because I'm a, a sadist. Um, <laughs> uh, so. Are you going to play that PC version? PC version comes out tomorrow. No, I am not going to play. I barely play the console version as it is, and and you know part of it is is uh, Destiny is crack. So you know I don't get a lot of time to play as a as a grown adult um, who also has uh, children and uh, relationships that I need to nurture. So I don't play until late, eleven, twelve o'clock. And what about Des- the relationships of your fire team, Cicero? Th- that is that, that is true. Yeah, my fire team won't kick me out of the house if I neglect them. So, um, yeah, and they don't make me dinner. Delicious dinners, by the way. So, uh, so yeah, what happens with Destiny 2 for me, I always find that uh, a quick Destiny 2 session is three hours. It just doesn't matter what's going on. Destiny 2 is three hours. So I like if I start at 11 o'clock, that means I'm not done until two in the morning and I've got to wake up in the in the morning and get get off to work. And I'm not 22 anymore. I can't do yeah. four or five hours of sleep every night. Um, you know what? I, I'm just uh, I'm just, you know, just hearing this now. But I'm, I'm thinking your problem is the job. Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Just uh, live off the grid um, yeah. and uh, bicycle, bicycle power my Internet and everything will there be fine. Um, I'll, actually, I'll get in great shape. So, uh, yeah, geeks and sneaks. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I'm playing I'm actually playing some Madden uh, Madden franchise with some friends. So that is actually a lot of fun. Uh, believe Tell it or me not. about this year's Madden because uh, Christian and I both tried the the single player mode. Yeah, long um, shot. What did you think? Uh, we both hated it. <laughs> really awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but did you like it? I did. I did. You know, I, so I liked what they were trying to do. I thought that the Frostbite engine worked really, really well for uh, translating that story to. Uh, to audiences and I thought I personally I thought that that was the single player version of Madden for non Madden players um, to go well, out yeah, there and- but like every I don't know I felt like every interaction I thought the story was fine the acting was great the visuals were cool but right. 
the every interaction was like very uninteresting. Sure. It was all QTEs and right. s- weird, ridiculous button presses that came out of nowhere and didn't really actually teach me how to play Madden in any way, and it just it just felt odd. Yeah, it 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 definitely. It definitely screamed uh, the nascence of uh, of their single player storytelling mode, and and you know hopefully I think that critically um, outside of you guys it, it it has been reviewed pretty well, um, and hopefully they'll progress further with it. Um, I am a big Madden fan. In fact, uh, most of my football as a 49ers fan won uh, as as a person who is boycotting uh, the NFL as much as I can. Um, Madden has given me my football fix for the year um, so I can actually make my Niners uh, good again. Wait a minute. How are you? You're from New York and Chicago and you're a Niners. I mean, I love that you're a Niners fan. Yes, I am too. Yes. But, and I will accept anybody into this, yes. the, the red and gold. But what, uh, where did that come so from? So as a youngster, my, uh, as, oh man, three or four years old. And, um, my cousin had a 49ers helmet that he gifted to me. So this is late seventies, early eighties. I'd sit down to watch football and I would wear my 49ers helmet. And it's a good, it's a good era to be a 49. Absolutely, fan. absolutely, and and so you know, right around the time that Joe Montana was was uh, drafted, uh, I was wearing a 49ers helmet, and uh, it made me a 49ers fan. The fact that they became you know the greatest franchise in the history of the NFL uh, didn't hurt my ability to remain a 49ers fan, <laughs> and now I am suffering. So, but that yeah. but that is okay. I I will remain a 49ers fan. So you're playing? Are you playing the Niners in your uh, in your franchise? Mode? I am playing the Niners. I'm playing as the Niners in my franchise mode. I have. I hope your record is better than their real record. Uh, yes, very much so. Uh, we're in our third season. I just lost to my friend in the Super Bowl by one oh. by one point. Um, but uh, just for all 49er fans out there, there is only one starter from the real team on my team still. <laughs> Yeah. Who's that? Uh the fullback. Um uh, the yes, yeah, a Polish name that I can't pronounce. So <laughs> number forty four. He's awesome though. Uh right. so but uh yeah, so I, I really love the game. If you're a fan of of football, if you played football in the past, um you can really understand the nuance of, of the sport and, and your ability to read both offenses and defenses on whatever whatever respective side of the field that you're on um, really really is accentuated within the game this year and and I really 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 enjoy it as a Bay Area guy growing up in the Bay Area loving Bay Area teams it's weird Last couple of years, I've been way more of a basketball fan than football. I don't, I don't know if you can really attribute that. I to don't you. know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I am a Knicks fan, so well, yeah, well. yeah. So it, that hurts. So it's a hard life. Yes, <laughs> it is definitely definitely a hard life. Um, where do you, where do you cut yourself? Like what? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, in the eyeballs when he watches television. Right. Right. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so I, I I've uh, I've been playing a lot of Madden. I've I've also played um, a game that's constantly in my rotation. Is a game that we can talk about in VR, though I've never experienced in VR. Although it is amazing, is Elite Dangerous from Frontier Developments. Oh, cool! And um, this game, I you know I am a Pied Piper about this game. It is a. a an astronomy's an astronomy lover's dream. 
Um, you, you play as a starship captain, you know, you, you have a ship, you have a certain amount of credits, you're on a space station in the 25th century and you're just go out and do whatever you want. You can be a trader, you can be a miner, you can be a bounty hunter, you can be a pirate, whatever it is that you want to do, you can go out and do it within the, the Milky Way galaxy. There are over 400 billion stars in the Milky Way galaxy that they have uh they have recreated uh within uh within this universe frontier is amazing at it uh it is on the PC uh it went early access for the Xbox 1 two and a half years ago and is now on the PS4 uh it is one of the best VR experiences that you can have um what are you playing it on I'm playing it on the Xbox 1 currently um, yeah, so, uh, don't look down on me. Um, so <laughs> like on PC that go crazy and get like crazy joysticks and you know, custom controllers and all kinds of stuff with that game. So there, they just released within the last three weeks, uh, the, uh, throttle and flight stick for the Xbox one. I think it's over a hundred bucks. Um, but I'm in a Facebook group for Xbox One players on, uh, for Elite Dangerous, and there have been a few people, most, mostly Brits, uh, but a few people that actually have it and have their setups and show, show people how to build the setups, the, the, uh, ideal setups to flying in Elite Dangerous with, with your flight stick. It is, it's really an awesome game. That game, I, I downloaded, I, I played it in, in VR a little bit, right. and it was that early period when, like, it was Eve Valkyrie and Elite, right. and just more my speed for this stuff is the, like, point, you know, show me what what to, what to shoot, right. point me in that direction. Right. This, it's so much more of a simulator than right. that. It, yes, it is. It absolutely speed. is. It absolutely yeah. is. It is. It is very, very heady. It is very nerdy. Um, it is not for everyone, um, but for those people it is for. Oh man, there there just isn't a better experience than this. Awesome. Yeah. Christian, you are playing uh Gran Turismo, right? Yeah, I'll mention my destiny addiction. I hit power level 300 this past week, so I think I'm excited from like occasional dive in if friends are playing. I'm kind of done with it for a bit right. until new content comes out comes out, but well, I had tons of fun. The, uh, did you hear the you were at TwitchCon this weekend by the way. We haven't even talked about that. I was at TwitchCon. You uh, did you hear about the big TwitchCon announcement that they're going to have seasons? Mm-hmm. They were in it from the beginning. We just didn't know what they were. Right. <laughs> uh, and also another shout out to uh, the DLC Destiny Two Clan. We've you know we maxed that out early on in the seasons and getting all of those rewards. And they've been everybody in there has been awesome, really fun, friendly games. When I've been able to jump in with people, Are you um, gonna get played on PC. Uh, well, I might be getting a free copy. If I do, I will spend too much time on it. I don't know if I can justify buying it knowing what I have coming Friday. Right, which is everything. Right, <laughs> the way I'm surviving it, I'm curious how our listeners and our you guys are. Um, these are all games that I want. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if, like, how should we even structure next week's episode? Should we divide and conquer, or should we both try to play multiple? Th- I don't know. So I'm gonna be playing know. a lot of Mario just because I get it Friday, and then I'm flying to and from Houston. Uh, that yeah, day for the game. World Series. Um, I'm getting Assassin's Creed actually came free with my monitor, which is a nice treat. Nice. <laughs> and then I'll get Wolfenstein via Gamefly whenever it shows up. But um, yeah, it's a struggle. Um, 
I don't know how I'm going to do that. Uh, but I do want to talk about Gran Turismo. I have my first hour on my Twitch and I think of the retail game. I also have some beta stuff on my Twitch and on my YouTube. And this game is truly fascinating. I I love and respect what they're doing even if I don't think it's the perfect race game and I don't think it's will make fans of the prior Gran Turismo's necessarily happy and that I don't think this delivers everything that you would want from Gran Turismo 7 or whatever it would be, or even an HD version of 6. Or I think that's what the last PS3 one was, which was an incredible game also. It came out very late in the console's um, lifespan. And this game, you know, from the beginning, it's Gran Turismo Sport, and they said it's not a numbered sequel. It's going to focus on this online racing, and it's it's very much that. So I talked about it after the beta, that it's very much Gran Turismo, right? It's menus with, like, piano music or, like, this house elevator, like, you, like, get first in a... Uh, driver's license or whatever it is test and it's like you get this cheesy gold disco ball pops up and it's like and then you go back to menus and menus and menus and you look like all of that stuff is there love it or hate it it's very gran turismo um but the cars the amount of cars is way down especially compared to forza 7 and the number of tracks is down it's 17 locations uh 40 tracks which is a lot of like you know reverse and portions of tracks or whatever but what they're gearing you up for in this game are these fia officially sanctioned online races Mm. and they haven't started yet i think it's november 14th november 4th it's soon but not yet kind of the same way in destiny the raid didn't come out with the game like they wanted you to get good at destiny until you you could level up and then you'd play the raid and this very much is about teaching people how to race and how to race properly before you're able to get into these officially sanctioned um, online races. And so everything else in the game might feel anemic if you're looking for what I often look for, progression, going through a quote-unquote campaign, unlocking things. Like It's very much geared to just teaching you. Even the driver's license tests that used to exist in the other Gran Turismos here, um, what are they called? It is uh, driving school. Uh-huh. It's like the, the first one is push gas and you, <laughs> you drive for 50 meters, right? And then you do that like four times, drive a straight line, 100 meters, and then it's like break, stop in this braking zone with a, a Miata or an MX-5. Then it's now you're in a, a GTS. Now you're in a, like faster cars take long. And it's now take this turn. Now take this turn, take an S turn, take a sweeping S turn, take this turn where the apex is at a different, and it's just like not a game in the sense that it's not like Forza or any of these other, or like Forza Horizons where you do this thing and like uh, fireworks go and someone's like giving you a massage and like, you did it, dude, and you're like, I did it. This is just like, you did it, now do it better because that wasn't good enough. And you're like, oh, I'll do it better. Um, And that's the main progression. And you go through... Um, mission challenges. I think there's 70, uh, somewhere between there, 50 or 70. Some are really short, and it's like, go through this S-turn without going off the, without dropping a tire off the track. And then some are longer, and it's, again, gearing you up for this thing. And so if this race comes out, when these races come out and people stick with the game, I think you could have one of the most incredible 
online racing experiences and racing games ever made because they're also following um, FIA rules and anything that you'd get disqualified for or you know knocked or basically taken off the circuit for in a real car happens in this game. Like I can't lean into your car, Jeff, to bounce through a turn like you would in Forza or any other game, right? Because it's not really a car and you're not really going to die. You don't care. You're like, yeah, trade some paint if it means I don't have to brake. Uh, you can't. Right. I can't get in front of you in Cicero and start driving uh you know zigzagging across the track so that you can't pass me even though you have a faster straight line car than me you get docked points for that because that's not how you race it's not racing is this it's a very polite sport and it needs to be in real life because you're going fast in death machines right. and all of this stuff is leading up to this thing and again it it hasn't happened yet so i don't know how great it's going to be but if it achieves its goal, kind of the same way I think Destiny is trying with guided games, they're trying to create a non-toxic online racing environment for these serious racers that then – and I don't think they've announced the full details of this – that if you get through this, you can actually get an FIA digital license that then you can use to do actual real-life FIA-sanctioned races and track events in real cars and to get that in the real world – Cost thousands of dollars to do it the traditional way of like going with an instructor, doing hot laps, uh, all of the stuff you'd need to do. And so I am totally in love with this game, knowing that I will never play it enough to get there. Because <laughs> <laughs> like the other, it's just like, dude, I should be running the same track every day for four hours. Like it's learning. It's learning. And then the other stuff that's yeah. in there, the arcade mode is fine, but it doesn't have the glitz and the glam that we get used to. Um, from these other drivers in Forza Horizon 3 with the Hot Wheels expansion has just has just wrecked my life. And I'll talk about VR. Um, I can talk about that later if that's easier. But um, yeah. it's a fascinating game, man. Really, really, truly fascinating with what they're trying to do in a quote-unquote e-sport of racing. May I have, I have a question, if, if, if we may. Um, so, Christian, do you think, and I guess, Jeff, you were actually kind of talking about it, do you think that there will be an FIA e-sports circuit? Where we'll be able to see televised versions of these races? If any game could support it, it would be Gran Turismo. I mean, there's a lot of great racing games, but like sure. because of this partnership, I'm, you talked about people's rigs for, um, uh, oh gosh, space game. I'm already blanking. Elite uh, Dangerous? Thank you. Elite yes. Dangerous. Yes. I mean, people have been carrying over their uh, Gran Turismo rigs from PlayStation, right? Sure. Or PS2. And you get in a serious chair behind a serious wheel. I think you totally could see these televised in a way that would be just as exciting as as real racing can be. Except there's not the the thrill of the gladiator arena of someone actually dying. Just so we're all on the same page, FIA is the Funky Iguana Association, right? Yes, of course. Okay. Yes. Cool. No, uh, I forget what it actually stands for. It's it's a I think it's a French word. It's not uh, it's not an English word. But it's the what is it? Oh, it it they they uh, oversee F one uh, open wheel racing. Um, uh, oh gosh, I gotta find Federation find Internationale de l'Automobile. Thank you. There you go. Well pronounced, even. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> je, je parle français un peu, un peu. Ooh. Uh, moi aussi. Uh, no, I will not go to bed with you. <laughs> um, <laughs> sure you will. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the listening to you, do you talk about this, Christian? I I constantly go, oh man, it's just a level of of engagement with a game I'm not prepared to do. And then I go, oh no, except the fact that I'm I'm literally 
I literally have a coach for Heroes of the Storm every Wednesday that I'm streaming now. <laughs> and I'm literally like – I spend hours of my life trying to get better and think about that game and learn everything there is to learn about. And I don't come out the other side being able to actually do something in the real world like yeah. people theoretically might with this game. So. Not even theor- – like 100 – you are learning real tracks – the car handling, I found that uh, front-wheel drive cars, for whatever reason for me in this game, maybe because I just got used to arc, the more arcade Forza Horizon, like I have a hard time learning in this where I'm going to lose grip. And I have a little experience, like actual driving experience. Like I was, it's probably laps, I haven't even tried, but like certified solo through um, Porsche Club of America. So I could go out to any road course uh, and any Porsche car and probably any other car that they would check off and just hot lap it right and take it out. Um and it, it's 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 you're doing it <laughs> you're you're doing it it's 100 percent. you could do a track 100 times in this if and only, i could go to willow springs and and know the track if only my car had a little teeny thumb uh <laughs> <the> <laughs> thumb controller then it would be it would be so easy yeah um, all right i'm gonna seed my time i'm gonna bank my minutes in the playlist and use them up in vr talk because almost exclusively exclusively what i've been playing this week is heroes of the storm and VR games. So uh, I'll be talking about those shortly. But you just heard us talking about this Friday being uh, this perfect storm of video game releases. Christian mentioned he uses Gamefly to help him play all games. Gamefly is a sponsor. You should, I mean, and that's not why Christian uses it. He was using it before they were ever a sponsor. Uh, But Gamefly is a way for you to be able to save money and actually play more games. And if you want to play everything, which is really, really hard these days... Why not take every advantage to do that, to actually save money and still be able to play more games than you would otherwise? It's the best way to buy and rent all of your favorite games. You pick your favorite games, and they get mailed directly to your door. You never have to pay any shipping costs. Better yet, there's no late fees. So you can keep a game as long as you want, play it for as long as you want. If you decide to buy it later, you can do that. Or you just send it back when you're done, and they send you the next game on your list. They have over 9,000 titles to choose from. And they also have movies now. So if you want to get some movies sometimes, you can do that as well. It's great. Plus, we are going to let you have a 30-day premium subscription for free so you can try this out. What better time than right now? 30 days from today, you've got October and November game releases. That is so rad. You should just do that now just to be able to play everything. Gamefly.com slash DLC2, which is your way to remember... You get two games or movies at a time, which is the premium subscription. Gamefly, G-A-M-E-F-L-Y dot com slash D-L-C-2. Get yourself a free premium 30-day subscription. Show your support for DLC and be able to play everything and save money. It's pretty great. Cicero, you had mentioned that you were playing some or dabbling in the VR space a little bit, right? Yes, yes. So I am uh, dabbling a little, a little here and there. I have a uh, Samsung Note Eight uh, after uh, upgrading from a Samsung S Eight, uh, and was able to get a the new version of the Samsung Gear VR. So I've been playing some uh, VR games on the Gear VR, uh, but I have also after. Uh, having the wonderful guest Robin Hunnicky on the show uh, for Spawn on Me, which will be out tomorrow. 
on Tuesday. Good plug, uh, good plug. Thank you very much. Um, I was able to play her game, Luna. Uh, oh, and, yeah. And VR. Um, and, oh, man, uh, like, what does, what does uh, like, laying on a bed of lilies feel like? <laughs> yeah. it, it is, it is Luna. Like, it's, it's everything that is pure and wonderful. It's like the living embodiment of, of Robin Haneke. And if you haven't had the opportunity uh, in DLC land to uh, meet and, and converse with Robin Haneke, uh, play some Luna and you'll know exactly what it is. It's just, it's pure bliss. Yeah, I actually uh, had a chance to play that game as well. It, it's it's quite beautiful. I mean, it's you're in nature, you're kind of uh, moving stars around with your hands, you're uh, inter- making things grow and flourish. You're following a little bird. Everything is bright and colorful. It feels magical. It's 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 a piece of art, really. It's beautiful. it is it is yeah. it is. Highly recommend that game, Luna. Uh, Christian, tell me about Gran Turismo Sport in VR. Yeah, just briefly, um, it's great, but it's so limited is the unfortunate part. So all you can do in VR is tour a car, like the vistas walk around, look up, and you can, even though the VR um, display isn't 4K or 1080, you know, whatever, you can see the detail that was put into these car models. It is just jaw-dropping. And then the other thing you can do as of now, and maybe they'll update it, but I, I wouldn't hold your breath, is you can do, you can race a single car, one other car. Any, all of the tracks are available as if you unlock them, as you unlock them throughout playing the game, but you can go in and race one other car on any track in the game in VR mode. What makes that extra disappointing is the VR racing is really good. Like the interior models are incredible. And so when you're sitting in your MX5, you know, looking at this thing and you can actually turn your head to turn into corners and plan your line as you're driving, it's just, I really do think that when handled well, VR works so well for racing and this game does it great. There's just very little content. So it's, it's unfortunate. It's, it's, it feels more like a tease than something that you could really dive in and, um, spend a lot of time with one thing i should also mention going back to just gran turismo in general it's very online like your progress doesn't save if you're not online you can only do arcade mode it's super limited as to what you can do and vr is kind of the same way so Mm. it's great but it's such a small experience that i just wish i wish i could just time trial like i wish i could just hot lap because i think that'd be a lot of fun and you can't even do that do you find that you have same amount of control, more control. Are you, I, mean, I feel like being able to check your mirrors in VR and, and, and look around, it seems like it might actually be an improvement. But maybe No, I think, it, I think it does feel better. When I play a driving game outside of VR, I will either do um, like hood view. I actually don't do the interior view because I find that the A-pillar and the steering wheel and all that stuff takes up too much screen real estate. Like when you're actually behind a car, yes, I, I can see my hands, but not the same way they're like on a screen, you know, or you can't like look past them kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I will take it that one step further. So I'll just see the hood of the car or I'll play from a tail perspective because it's a video game. Um, but in VR, when you are in the car, the way VR sets you up, like your A pillar and your hands and the dash, you can see it all, but it all blends away like it does when you're actually driving. So yeah, as I'm going into an S turn or something like that, like I'm looking ahead to the next point of the turn as I've already plotted my apex because just like driving your car goes where your head goes. And so when you're doing that in VR, you're actually to hit those, you're able to hit those lines. And uh, the last point I'll make is I felt fine playing. I didn't play tons in VR cause it's kind of like, Oh, I did this track. I did this track. I did this track. Um, I didn't have 
any problems with nausea the way I did playing Dirt Rally on VR on my Oculus, except it is in the rally courses. There's a couple of rally tracks, and when you're going really fast on those, it's just a change of elevation where your head's like, hey, your butt should be moving, and your your body's like, no, you're still sitting in your chair. <laughs> so I got a little uncomfortable there, but all of like the, the asphalt tracks, uh, I felt fine whipping around in high speeds. Very cool. Uh, I've been playing a ton of VR stuff lately. It's actually as as big a time period as it is for you know big normal video games to come out. Same is true in VR. There have been a ton of really high profile, awesome releases this time of year, and there's more on the way as we head into the holidays. Um, I'll start small and get big. Uh, first <laughs> first game I'll talk about is Megaton Rainfall, which was a PS4 exclusive. I think it's heading to PC at some point. And I'm really anticipating playing it, I hope, again uh, on PC because the PS4 version felt uh, a little underwhelming. And I don't know if that's the game or if that's the limitations of the PS4. The idea here is that you are a superhero who is defending the planet against an intergalactic invasion. The aliens are coming and you have to stop them. The way you stop them is you shoot them out of the sky. And you the way you do that is you fly around uh, like a superhero. And it's got a very No Man's Sky style uh, freedom of, of movement where you can go really high up into the atmosphere and the earth gets uh, far away or you can zoom v- down to a very uh, you know human level and see be in among the buildings and the cars and everything. The detail is less than convincing, unfortunately. It does not look as good as uh, No Man's Sky, for example. But it's similarly impressive in the sense of scale when you you know you shoot up into the sky and you fly around and you scoot back down. If you've played No Man's Sky, you know what I'm talking about. This one, though, you're a you know just a human being, and you've got your hands out in front of you like Superman. It's pretty cool. Uh, I wish the visuals were more impressive. Perhaps in the PC version, they'll be able to be. I don't know. Uh, and also, it's very disappointing that it does not support the Move controllers at all, especially because you've got these two hands out in front of you. You should be able to control them one-to-one and like put your hands out in front of you like Superman. No, no, you're just using the DualShock controller to move around like a first-person shooter. Uh, and the game is it does support non-VR modes, so maybe that's one of the reasons why. But uh, I found the game to be a little lackluster and disappointing. It's basically a... Um, uh, score challenge of how many guys you can shoot down and fly around. And, and the sensation of flying is cool, and flying through the clouds is really a neat experience, but ultimately not one I would heartily recommend to people. Next up is Arctica 1, which was one of the big games that was announced at last GDC for the Oculus as part of their big next wave of big AAA full games. This is made by, I believe they're called 4A Games, the Ukrainian developer that did uh, all the Metro 2033 games and are working on the next Metro game. Um, and you can definitely see that DNA in Arctica 1. It's, it's very much a Metro-style feeling. The game opens in a really cool way. You're sitting in this Jeep in the passenger seat. There's this woman driving it who's kind of telling you about where you're going. And you're like going through checkpoints and you have to open the glove box in front of you and get an ID and roll down the window and hand it to the guy who's checking your ID to let you go through the checkpoint. And she's describing all the stuff outside your window, all the creatures and crazy stuff that's happening in this futuristic like post-apocalyptic landscape. It's very cool the way you, you start this game. feels amazing. The graphics, it's, so, it's one of the best-looking VR games I've ever played, especially on the highest setting. It is 
stunning. I mean, it's shoulder to shoulder with with AAA stuff on on PC. Um, but ultimately, the game is just a shooter. It's a pure shooter. It's a shooting gallery. It's actually more reminiscent of something like House of the Dead or you know Time Splitters or something. Time Crisis is really what I'm thinking of, I guess. Um, Sidebar: I wish they would just. And I know it's not as easy as just pushing a button, but I wish they would bring all those over to VR. Just I would buy right. that pack of all of yeah. whatever it is, all the House of the Dead, Virtual yeah. Cop, all those, right? Yeah. And you'd think that somebody would have already done that. <laughs> it's actually, but you're, you're right. It isn't just pushing a button. Uh, but basically this is that game in the sense that really what you're doing is shooting stuff and you're popping from point to point and moving through the game in a very linear fashion. And it's only teleportation movement. And worse, it's node to node. So you can't just decide Uh where you want to teleport. There are specific nodes that open up, which at first I was really disappointed by and ultimately still a little bit disappointed by. But I actually got used to it playing it enough. And, you know, when you teleport in a game like that, you you know, you're on one side of the room and the bad guys are running at you, you space marines or mutants or whatever you're fighting in this game. Uh, they come running at you, and you can teleport all the way across the room and then flank them. You know, initially that's very disorienting because now you're in a new place and you're you're completely your orientation to the enemies is completely different, right? You were in front of them, now you're behind them, and it, and it's it's strange. But after playing it not very long, I actually found that to be really empowering, and I started having a very different spatial awareness. What was be- that? The high voltage game. I feel like I haven't played this, but I feel like that was the game that did that best where you um, took over other robots. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Because of the D. Uh, Somebody in the chat will know. Um, It's the same thing. But there you could – you were limited not by nodes but by where enemies were. So it created this interesting thing of like don't kill that enemy because you want that flank point or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, no, this is is node to node – and you get, you get to do some cool stuff. It, it, the firefights are really fun. And like I said, I began to get this cool sense of spatial awareness that made me feel overpowered of like, oh, yeah, now I'm going to be behind you. Boop, boop. Now I'm going to be in front of you. Boop, boop. And it's like there's no limit on how often you can teleport. And you could just be like, I'm a ghost. I'm, <laughs> I'm everywhere and nowhere at the same time, enemies, you know, which was really pretty fun. But ultimately – all of this technology, all this great graphics and stuff is just in service of a first-person shooter. And I'm kind of the point in VR now where that's the least interesting thing to do, you know, um, because there's so many other really cool things to do in VR that I've never done before. I don't necessarily need a shooter. Hmm. But if you're looking for a great shooter, Arctica 1 is that. It is a, it is a really fun point-to-point shooting gallery. Then... Now I've saved the best for last of the VR games I played this week. Uh, I played through the entire second episode of The Gallery. It's called Heart of the Emberstone. If you've heard me talk about VR before, uh, anytime anybody's like, what are the VR games I need to get? It's always the first Gallery episode, which is called um, Call of the Starseed. And it was uh, one of the very first VR games that came out. It's uh, it's from Cloudhead Games. Um and it, it remains, I think, in the very, very top tier of VR experiences. Episodic content, right? So these are shorter experiences, which is a bit of a bummer uh, because the first game, the first episode, uh, Call of the Star Seed, ended on a cliffhanger and quite a powerful cliffhanger. In fact, 
if you haven't played that first episode, anything I say about this game, this second episode, is going to be a bit of a spoiler because you start that first episode as this kid. It's very much Goonies, right? You're in the 80s. Your sister has disappeared. you got to go find her. You're finding cassettes, like old cassette tapes, and you put them in your Walkman, and you listen to these recorded clues that your sister left for you. And it's very much like you're, you know, going out. There's a campsite at the very beginning of the game. You're finding stuff. But by the end, you go to a very new place. (laughs) And so the second episode starts in this very new place, very alien place. And the game totally goes there. And the entire second episode is is played in a new world with new, all new interactions and the conceptual realization of this alien technology is so clever, so interesting, and so fresh. Like, I've never seen this vision of technology before. Everything is like this wonderful clockwork world. There's one place called the Tower of Cogs that you go into that's just all, like, it's so fun, man. Being in VR and seeing, like, all this stuff gears clinking together and stuff working and everything moving around you. It's awesome, awesome. And the puzzles in this one, which is basically what this game is, it's almost like Myst, right? It's a big puzzle adventure game. The puzzles in this one are really, really cool. You you do what is basically a a glorified version of the game Concentration, where you have to match shapes, uh, but you're timed. That's really fun. It's all physical. You're moving stuff with your hands. You play a, uh, a, a like a Simon Says type theremin in VR, which is amazing. There's uh, a, a central element that I've never seen anybody do in VR before. Is like 3D physical operation. You know how an operation, the board game, you have to like tweezer stuff and not touch the sides. This is a like a 3D version of that where you have to take this like stone and move it through a tube. And if you touch the edges of the tube, you you have to start over. And then there will be things moving inside the tube that you have to maneuver around and not touch either. So if you touch any of them, you have to start over. Very clever, very cool in, in 3D, in VR. It's amazing because you look around and through that stuff. So all of these puzzles are awesome. The downsides of Episode 2 of the gallery, Heart of the Emberstone are, again, episodic, very short. I played it in a day, basically. Uh, I would say probably four hours, maybe five. Um, And there's a lot more backtracking in this one than there was in episode one. You are constantly going back and forth. Now, how you backtrack, I'm not going to spoil. It's incredible. Incredible. (laughs) But like the sixth or tenth time you've done it, it's a lot less incredible. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, well, the movement system through this world is brilliant and takes advantage of the sense of scale in, in VR and all this stuff. But I, now I've done it 10 times. It's kind of lost its luster a little bit. I'm just going back and forth between these areas. So ultimately the game feels a little small because there's these core areas and you constantly have to go back and forth between them. But visually it is among the best I've seen in VR the feeling of the alien world, the way you read books in this alien world is 
you like li- like pull a, a node off of this book, and then the text is like wrapped around your arm, and you rotate your hand to read it. It's so cool, so alien, and so different. Lots of amazing stuff, and, and it's an, it's an easy recommendation. I'm just a little bit bummed that it has so much more backtracking, and and it feels a little smaller than that first game. And again, this one ends on a yet another cliffhanger. So episode three cannot come soon enough. That's like the constant chorus for every franchise. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Particularly in a game where, like, if I played the first two of these games back to back, it would, you know, be like this eight, ten hour experience where I've been like amazed. But yeah. All right. Uh, let us. Well, let's carve out a little bit of tabletop time because Cicero has stuff to talk about. So let's carve out a little bit of tabletop time. Cicero, I know you got excited about uh, talking about a board game. So what have you been playing? Sure. Uh, first off, shout out to uh, uh, my good friend, Charlie Hall of Polygon, uh, who lives right up the street from me. Uh, he and I get together several times a month to play uh, board games. So, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to the next time we get to do that. But uh, a game that I didn't play with uh, Charlie, but played with my family was Scandal the Game. That's right, guys. Based on, Based on the, the TV series? The hit t- Shonda Rhimes TV show. Uh, I think you mean Scandal. The, the Jeff Kanata vehicle scandal. Because yes, I have been in one episode of that show, so I think it's pretty. That much is about correct, me. sir. Yeah. That is true. That is true. We're wait. waiting for you to come back. Can't wait to find uh, out what, how I fit into the board game version. No, Jeff, right. Well, you're spun off into the Netflix universe. All you know, the Shondaverse all connects, and now that she's oh. on Netflix, you're getting your own show. They haven't told you. I can't wait to find out. I wrote I wrote right. episodes two and three. They're good, man. But where we take you is, you know, you break bad quick. Right. So, so this game is a legitimate board game with dice uh, and game pieces, but it really is a scandal trivia game. <laughs> so, what did you want to play? Yeah, so I could be in it. Here. <laughs> right, yes, <laughs> you definitely figure in. Um, so, this game is uh, is for three to eight players, and uh, you can you can actually play through a game in twenty or twenty five minutes, which is great um, because I think uh, anything longer than that, and you're like. This game really is dumb. Um, but, uh, yeah, so you, you, you get to walk around DC and, uh, use the metro or taxis to get from, uh, different, different Washington, uh, monuments and historical places, uh, such as, uh, Olivia Pope and Associates and B613 and Olivia's apartment, um, to finish and figure out uh, these four objectives once you are once you receive an identity card to find out which of the gladiators you actually are mm. and then you get objectives from B613 and the first person to finish all of their objectives um are is the winner and this game is uh as dumb as it sounds <laughs> but uh but you know if you are a big scandal fan and uh you just want to read some trivia questions about scandal 
it it's got uh probably about three or four hundred of them so wow, uh, yeah yeah there's there's a lot there. what style of lamp was used to cover up pregnancies during season three through four <laughs> right right exactly what what type of bag was used yeah. to cover up pregnancies <laughs> so that is scandal uh, the game scandal the game like, uh, sounds like you give it a thumbs up Yes, yes, you can find it at uh, your favorite yard uh, yard sale, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. or uh, or rural rural uh, libraries. Yeah, so right. That's it. definitely a library game. That's for sure. Uh, there'll be pieces missing, but you know what? You yes. won't even notice. <laughs> you won't even notice. That is correct. I don't think I ever talked, Christian. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I ever talked about Exit. The Abandoned Cabin, the the game that won the Spiel des Jahres, and I was all excited to play it. It's the basically the escape room in a box. I think we talked about it, but I don't know if you ever t- – we texted about it, but I don't think you ever talked about it on this show. Yeah. It, it turned out to be really, really fun. Uh, I have others, uh, and I'm wanting, I want to do one with you, Christian, because I think you and your wife would both really, really like it. Um, so we, we'll have to schedule. There's, there's a bunch of these exit games. And they, like I said, they're, they're escape rooms in a box. And if you don't know what escape room is, it's basically a series of puzzles that you have to complete to get out of a room. So in the conceit of the board game, you know, you have to imagine you're in the room, but you still have a series of puzzles. And they don't really give you any uh, – there's no, there's no structure other than get out of the room. And you have a little book – at least in this one, you had a little booklet. So – the conceit of this one, which is the abandoned cabin, was you and your friends, whoever pl- you're playing with, stumble upon this cabin in the woods. You you go inside, and the doors close and lock, and a disembodied voice says, if you want to leave, you have to solve my riddles. And so, then you look around and realize this cabin is larger than your home in Los Angeles, and you decide to stay for a while. Yeah, you're like, you know what? Like, this leave. is actually pretty good. He's like, no, solve my riddles. You're like, no, I'm, I'm – ordering amazon i have grubhub i'm good i have netflix (laughs) this is rather quaint thank you (laughs) uh so you have like you have a a booklet that has uh a bunch of information in it not not a bunch of text it's got like pictures and you know non sequiturs little things that you you don't really know what they are and uh and then a series of uh cards that show you like where you are in the room or, or an image of what the room looks like. And you just, you'll find little boxes that have locks in them and uh, you need to unlock it. You need to figure out how to solve a puzzle. And, and the cool thing, it's got this really interesting mechanic where it comes with this, uh, this wheel. If you've ever, if you were a, a kid in the late eighties, early nineties, uh, playing old PC games, you'll remember these kind of wheels where you have to line, spin an inner circle and line something up to get a code and it's a really ingenious way of testing to whether whether or not you got the correct answer because you'll plug number based on the the puzzle that you're solving you plug numbers into this code wheel and then it'll tell you a card to find in the box and you f- look at that card and that card will tell you whether or not you were correct in in solving that puzzle but if you weren't it, 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 it does a really clever way of like not – it's not just like, oh, the answer was this. It's like, no, you didn't get it right. Keep trying. You know, So you're not just spoiling the puzzle by checking to see if you got it right. You know, like a, if you're doing a crossword puzzle or something and you check the back of the book and you're like, is 14 down you know, anti-disestablishmentarianism? And you're like, ah, no, it isn't. Now I just saw the word that it is, so it's, I can't keep trying. I just got found out the answer. 
this does avoids that, which I think is pretty clever. And the puzzles themselves are really awesome. There's a wide range of, of difficulty. Some of them are, we were like getting really quickly. Others we really had to think about. And you're like cutting things up, which is cool because these are one-time play, right? If you've solved the puzzle, it's that's the puzzle. There's no reason to replay it ever. So you can actually physically destroy the pieces. You can cut them up and rearrange them and do all kinds of fun stuff that you wouldn't do with a normal board game. But because this is like a one-time play experience, you would do. Um, so I highly recommend it. We had a great time. The One of the final puzzles was totally mind-blowing. They did something and referenced something that I thought was so smart and so unanticipated. Um, so I, I recommend this. And they're like less than 20 bucks. This one's called Exit the Abandoned Cabin. I highly recommend If you have a group and you want to spend a couple of hours, I think we did it in, I don't know, three or four hours uh, but we, you know, spent a lot of time eating and chatting and, you know, messing around. It was it wasn't full attack on the on the thing. What did you eat? Uh, mostly Pringles. Mm, okay, that's good. And so maybe some chocolate chip cookies. But you're telling me that you can play through the entire Escape the Abandoned Cabin in a shorter amount of time than it would take for me to drive to an actual abandoned cabin. So that seems like a good deal. Yes, that is that is correct. And you know what? Playing the abandoned cabin in an abandoned cabin would be truly meta and amazing. I've seen that movie, and unfortunately, there's a. Uh, I was about to say what there is, but I won't in case someone hasn't seen that movie. <laughs> there's a bunch of these, right? There's one called The Pharaoh's Tomb. There's one called uh, The Secret Lab, uh, and I know there's more on the way. And I, 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 this is one the only one I've played so far, but I own all three of those, and I'm anxious to play one with you, Christian. So we'll have to do that. Yeah, I dude. Think I think you'll really like it. It's fun, especially your wife will dig it. She's she's into that stuff too. I mean, you know. I mean, she's been trying to escape this marriage for almost 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> the final clue's been a real, a real hard one to figure out. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a mystery. Uh, all right, guys. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have our parting gift coming up, so stick around for that. Cicero Holmes, thank you so much for being here, sir. It has really been my pleasure. Thank you guys very much for having me. It was too long in coming, but we'll definitely have to have you back uh, very, very soon. Tell the people where they can keep up with you and your goings on. Uh, well, you can keep up with me on uh, Twitter, at Stubby Stan. Uh, and uh, you can find a lot of the things that I'm doing right there on Twitter, uh, the Spawn on Me podcast. And uh, if you're a fan of Star Trek Discovery, Discovery D- Debrief, at DSC Debrief on Twitter, where... Uh, we recap the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery. Can I be honest with you, Cicero? I uh, I'm too cheap to buy the CBS Online thing, so I'm going to wait. Enough. I'm going to wait until the whole season is done, and then mm-hmm. buy one month of it, and just just get it all done in one month. Yeah, and then and then maybe I'll be able to listen to your show. But I heard this week's uh, Discover uh, uh, um, Star Trek Discovery was not as good as the previous weeks have been. Well, you know, it's it is taste is always subjective, right? So yeah. that is, um, I think that there is much debate um, about whether or not this week's episode was better or worse than the last ones. What can uh, definitely be said, it was more difficult to watch than the other mm-hmm. ones because apparently either CBS or some of the other streaming services that have it, um, like Netflix overseas or in Canada. Um, had difficulty uh, streaming it for, uh, at least last night and into this morning. So uh, for different for for different areas. 
Well, there's always scandal to watch, I suppose. There is, there is. Um, <laughs> you know, and and then go and play the game, obviously. Christian, how about you? What do you got going on this week? I mentioned it, I think, when they just had one track out, but it's out and I've listened to it over and over and over again. And it is Going Gray by the Front Bottoms, who I've mentioned on this show before, too. And it's like very much kind of spun out of like pop punk scene, but it's almost, I think, now it would be called like folk punk, which is weird. But it's not, so don't think like Blink 182, it doesn't sound like that at all, but it's kind of like as Venn diagrams span out, like where this sound and style came from. But I love them. I love the front bottoms and this I new album. I think you're doing your parting gift, and we were just doing oh, plugs. Sorry, you know, I'm cool. doing it. I, I I got into scandal, and I started doing a parting gift. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, so from that spoiler alert, there's my parting gift. Plugs. <laughs> um. Oh gosh, what's happening this week? I don't even know, dude. It's a World you're Series. To the front bottoms. It's oh, the album's so good. It's a it's a World Series for me this week, so I'll be doing that. You can find me watching that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And um, not picking sides. I no. Just watching it, just sitting in the glow of both teams. I sincerely, sincerely. If you haven't there, though, you can uh, go to my YouTube, which is Christian Spicer seven one three. I got game content there, video you're reviews. You like the you like the Schrodinger's cat. Of of baseball fans, like right. <laughs> the cat is both alive and dead for you all the time. There I, I is there the is time. great baseball on many sides. On many sides. <laughs> I feel like this is the only time this will ever be ever be the case, but it's right. it's a great place to be. And then my Twitch, which is just Christian Spicer. So YouTube is Christian Spicer seven one three, Twitch is Christian Spicer, and you can hang out there. And also. Oh, that baseball, that baseball. Imagine, Jeff, if the Golden State Warriors were playing the 49ers, right? <laughs> that would be my dream. That would be my dream. The yeah, Golden State would be- Warriors would probably be better than the 49ers in football. So. <laughs> no, but Christian, it would be the Golden State Warriors against the 49ers in a game of Heroes of the Storm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, speaking of Heroes of the Storm... Thank you guys for bringing it up, by the way. Thank you for bringing up Heroes of the Storm. Because uh, I am doing a new show every Wednesday at noon Pacific time called Hot's Lunch uh, with the amazing Kyle Ferguson, who is a full-on professional Heroes of the Storm coach, also the co-host of the Into the Storm uh, – excuse me, Into the Nexus <laughs> – Into the Nexus uh, podcast. And uh, he is coaching me. Every Wednesday at noon Pacific time on Caffeine, which is a streaming service, caffeine.tv slash Jeff Canada. It's the only place to watch it. No video on demand, unfortunately. But uh, you'll be able to watch it there. See me improve or not. <laughs> but I'm going to try. And he is amazing. We already had one episode last week. And he, his insight, his ability to coach is, is second to none. A positive guy who always focuses on things you're doing well. It's it's great, man. I'm so happy to be doing it. So check that out on Wednesdays. Caffeine.tv slash Jeff Canada. Also uh, the slash filmcast at slash filmcast.com. We have concerns at wehaveconcerns.com. And, of course, my daily video game show to keep you up to date every single day, 10 minutes a day on uh, Anchor. You can find that on iTunes and, and also on Google Play Music, anywhere you find podcasts, or at anchor.fm slash NLB. For newest, latest, best. All right, uh, let's get to our parting gift. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This 
Cicero, I, you may have already uh, said yours, but I, I would love to talk about what you would give to people for their week to get them through. Well, um, this may be a little late, um, but if you haven't already seen Professor Marston and the Wonder Women, oh. I I would definitely recommend going to see that. That is the movie about... I forget his first name, but uh, it was an actual guy. He was a first doctor. Name is professor. Of, yes, his first name is Professor P. <laughs> P. Marston, uh, as the people called him, uh, was a professor at Radcliffe College back in the 20s and 30s, uh, also known as Harvard for Women, uh, and was the inventor of the lie detector with his wife, uh, and also the inventor of the comic book and the character Wonder Woman. Um, which uh, came out of his real life thruple uh, with a co-ed and his wife and their ability to explore uh, sexual liberation in a way that was very, very much taboo uh, for the time. Um, incredibly, incredibly uh, well directed and acted movie. So please, please go out and see it. That is Professor Marston and the Wonder Women. Christian, what's your uh, parting gift? Well, just quickly on that, it also makes the golden lasso such a cooler weapon where you understand um, yes. where it comes from. Because <laughs> yes. uh, I love Wonder Woman. Um, you'll never uh, – there's this band that I hate, and they're called The Front – no, The Front Bottoms. They're great. The new album, <laughs> uh, Going Gray, and it it, uh, it – I love when stuff does this. I like music a lot. And with this album, it, it – um, it's very repeatable and that it opens with kind of beach sounds and seagulls and stuff. And then the last song kind of fades into that. So if you just have it on loop before you know it, you're like, oh, man, it's been four hours <laughs> and I'm still listening to it. If you if, if you're going to just check out one song on it, um, I would recommend starting with track one, which I am pulling up the name for right now, which I should know. But of course, no one knows the uh, the names of, of songs anymore, because why would you know the names of songs? But I'm going to pull it up. As I do this, I should have been pulling it up earlier. I apologize, but I'm good at rambling and talking while I try to get <laughs> yes. my Seamless. to work. Seamless. Yes. Thank you. Uh, never even noticed. You used to say. You used to say. And, uh-huh. um, and, and then finale, if you're going to do just two songs on the album. And if you don't love it after that, move on. But I think, I think you will. So, uh, well, we have a, a listener-submitted parting gift. This comes from Chris from Canada. He said, I would like to share my own parting gift. I would highly suggest taking martial arts. Find a gym slash dojo in your area and try out a free class. Martial arts isn't the easiest thing, but the benefits are tremendous. It teaches you discipline, perseverance, courage, and self-confidence. Many people go to work and then go home and then watch shows or just play games. But having a good after-work activity is a great way to get up and move. Get the blood flowing. Make health better and learn how to defend yourself. Also, for fighting game and action game fans, you will gain a whole new level of respect for the mocap actors and what the characters are doing in-game. Most of those moves are tricky. Don't be scared. I and many others believe in you and want to punch you in the knees. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. He didn't say that part. Uh, thank you, Chris. I think that's really, really cool. I had a buddy who, who took martial arts for a long, long time, and, and he just – it changed his life, man. It changed his life. It's really cool. Great parting gift. Uh, mine, probably you don't need me to recommend, although some people, I think, feel like this franchise is somehow less than its peers, and that is the new Thor 
Ragnarok. I had a chance to see early, and you will hear me talk about it in depth on the Slash Filmcast coming up soon. But suffice it to say, it's one of my favorite Marvel movies. I think it's better than Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. funnier than Guardians of the it does It does what Guardians does better, which is uh, be a superhero comedy. It's hilarious. It's fun from start to finish. Big surprises, cool action beats, a crazy, fun, inventive, visually exciting world. It's just not fair that Chris Hemsworth is that incredible looking and also hilarious. Like, you, you got to pick one, Chris Hemsworth. Come on. Stop it. Um, also, <laughs> go, go for the Thor. Stay for the Jeff Goldblum because he is – a treasure. Love me some Jeff Goldblum, man. Uh, he's love me some Jeff Goldblum. Every moment he is on the screen is a gift to cinema in this movie. He's, now uh, he's amazing. This movie tonally is completely different from the first two Thor movies. It's almost like a completely different Thor. I mean, like literally, the character right. behaves differently. Right. So if you're okay with that little jarring difference, it you know it's like. The, in comics, that happens because they get new writers, you know, right. or they relaunch a series from from issue one or something. Here, you just sort of have to take it because he's the same guy. But Hemsworth is so good and so has such good comedic instincts. Like hearing Thor crack wise now, all of right. a sudden, is just so fun that I'm 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 there. I'm along for the ride. Well, and he, they've kind of eased us into this with Thor and other movies. Like his movies were serious and not great, but like right. in the other appearances, they've eased him into this role. But he was always bit. sort of like the straight man, right? Everybody right. made fun of how staid and uh, you know uh, anachronistic he was. Like he was this weird god who everybody sort of quack cracked wise around him. Now he's the guy who's making the jokes, and uh, it's really funny. He was he was the funniest thing about the Ghostbusters reboot. Yeah, he was I great. In that. Well, he was, he was yeah, great. In yeah, that. He was. Yeah. He, it's just not fair that he like is a is a Greek god in yeah. visually and also right. has comedic timing. Like, come on. Yeah. yeah. Let some other people have something. I mean, you've got the timing, but just you're just right. like a, you know, you're a Roman god, Jeff. You right. haven't quite got to. Yeah. Oh, you're a gladiator, man. Yeah, I gotta get that game. <laughs> All right, guys, that's it for this episode of DLC. Thanks so much to Cicero Holmes and Christian Spice for hanging out with me. Thank you to everybody that is in the chat room that hung out with us in real time, made the show better. We really appreciate you guys taking the time doing that. Also, thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those bumpers. And thank you to each of you that downloads the show and listens to us every week. Without you, we would be uh, just yelling into the abyss, which is no fun for anybody. And we really appreciate you taking the time and sharing us with your friends. We'll see you next week, which will be a big one for releases. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.